It never mattered that there was once a vast grieving. Trees on their hillsides in their groves weeping, a plastic gold dropping through seasons and centuries to the ground until now. On this fine September afternoon, from which you are absent, I am holding as if my hand could store it, an ornament of amber you once gave me. Reason says this, the dead cannot see the living, the living will never see the dead again. The clear air we need to find each other in is gone forever. Yet this resin once collected seeds, leaves and even small feathers as it fell and fell, which now, in a sunny atmosphere, seem as alive as they ever were, as though the past could be present, and memory itself, a Baltic honey, a chafing at the edges of the scene, a showing off of just how much can be kept safe inside a flawed translucence. Hello, and welcome to Words That Burn, a podcast about poetry. Each week, I read a poem, look at its inner workings, and hopefully show you what makes it tick. This week's poem is Amber by Ivan Boland. Before I begin, I have a suggestion. Try and find a copy of the poem somewhere to read along. It makes things just that little bit easier. This poem, like much of Boland's work, is centered around the concepts of memory and loss. It is taken from Boland's 2007 collection, Domestic Violence. It comes from the second section, Letters to the Dead, in which Boland writes a number of pieces to the memory of her deceased mother. The titular Amber is a gift given to her by her mother, and so has triggered a memory of their time together. This piece is a wonderful introduction to the concept of the lyrical poem, a poem written about strong emotions and feelings. The form is unique, as it seeks to impart this feeling or emotion to a stranger, in an effort to help them understand what the author is experiencing. As such, it is written in the first person, from the poet's perspective. Why would a poet seek to do this? To quote the essential poet's glossary, the lyric becomes a different kind of intimate communique, a highly concentrated and passionate form of communication between strangers. In this way, the poem creates an intimacy between reader and author, in a similar fashion to the close relationship between mother and daughter that is described within its lines. It is clear from the first section analysed that Boland is lost in a sea of memory. It never mattered that there was once a vast grieving Trees on their hillsides in their groves weeping, a plastic gold dropping through seasons and centuries to the ground, until now. On this fine September afternoon, from which you are absent, I am holding, as if my hand could store it, an ornament of amber you once gave me. Boland had lived between the United States and Ireland for most of her adult life. In this sense, much of her poetry is a kind of work in memory between Ireland and other places in the world. In the opening lines of the poem, she is conjuring the Irish landscape for the reader. She immediately anthropomorphizes the vast grieving trees. They are feeling a true sense of loss, an emotion usually reserved for humans. They seem to be mourning something, weeping their plastic gold. It's interesting that she says it never mattered. She had never given much thought to the formation of the ornament she holds in her hands. But now, in the absence of her mother, she finds herself focused on it intently, thinking of every aspect of it, and the ideas and memories it conjures for her. 
She is focused on the length of time it took to form through seasons and centuries to the ground. She then snaps firmly back to her present with the words, until now, until now being the fine September afternoon. It is like the many she has experienced before, but this time something is absent. It is her mother. I'm holding it as if my hand could store it, letting the reader know just how tightly she's clinging to her amber keepsake. I've always understood it to mean that she is also clinging to the memory of her mother, their time spent together. Ornament is an important choice of word here. It signifies something delicate and precious, an object which Boland cherishes. It's not some trinket on a shelf or bauble taken out and admired from time to time. It is a remnant of her mother. The spacing between ornament of amber and you once gave me immediately makes it clear that what is important about this amber is who gifted it to her. Its placing within the poem gives it a weight all its own. This opening section is a testament to the mastery of imagery that Boland possessed. It was often remarked that no one moved through time in a single poem with quite the same ease as her. The reader is brought fluidly from an ancient forest full of morning to a sunny afternoon beside Boland. The transition is never jarring and goes almost unnoticed. The next lines seem to toll with logic, a kind of sobering remedy to the poetic thinking that has just taken place. Reason says this, the dead cannot see the living, the living will never see the dead again. There is a strange echo to this moment of rhetoric. It seems to be a statement born of resignation, a moment where the loss of her mother has truly hit her. Both sides of the veil, the living and the dead, are forbidden from seeing each other again. This is the way of things, it seems to say. The clear air we need to find each other in is gone forever. Suddenly we get a sense of that clear autumn day again, the absence of her mother compounded by the lack of air, something that is gone forever. The poem, like the air, is stilled with these words. All the imagery previous was focused on movement and action, weeping, dropping, holding. The focus on the flow of movement was something of a hallmark in Boland's poetry. However, there is a silence and stillness that comes with the cold statement. Even so, there is a glimmer of hope at the end of these lines in the word, yet. A rallying, hopeful response comes in the next lines. This resin once collected seeds, leaves, and even small feathers as it fell and fell, which now in a sunny atmosphere seem as alive as they ever were as though the past could be present, and memory itself, a Baltic honey, a chafing at the edges of the scene, a showing off of just how much can be kept safe inside a flawed translucence. The reader is thrown back in time once more to the early days of this ornament. The past has become present. The object collected all manner of things that fell. In other words, all manner of things that were thought lost, but now, in the sunny atmosphere of this September day, the amber has been revived, the frozen fragments brought back to life. They are, in Boland's words, as alive as they ever were. Then, a transfiguration takes place, and the poet's talent for imagery really begins to shine, as though the past could be present and memory itself a Baltic honey. Again, the word choice is important. Boland could have chosen any golden substance, but opted for honey. The sweetness which it is famed for is being paralleled to the memory of her mother, 
Then the piece reaches its most abstract point. Boland writes of chafing at the edges of the scene. To me, it seems she is trying to articulate just how vivid this wave of memory is for her. She knows it's not real, and yet it feels as though she can see the September days she once shared with her mother, as real as the one she is standing in, right now. The entire piece then ends on a truly hopeful note. The entire piece then ends on a truly hopeful, or perhaps content, note. Boland begins to realise that memory, in some form, will always be there. It is a showing off of just how much can be kept safe. The Amber acts as more than just a reminder of her mother. It reminds Boland that there will always be a part of her mother with her. The memory of her mother will be kept safe in her and in the Amber. And even if it fades or bears more resemblance to a flawed translucence, those fragments of a relationship with someone she loved will always persist. This optimistic endnote is interesting, as if we look at the structure of the poem, we can see that it follows a kind of poetic, logic, poetic structure. The opening lines are visual and abstract in equal measure, with an ancient forest crafted in the mind of the reader. Then comes the cold, almost harsh retort of death being forever. But then again, as it ends, the poetic seeps in once more, and a simple ornament takes on a much deeper significance. This choice of structure makes it seem as though the poet may be arguing with herself, reassuring and comforting herself in a time of loss and doubt. Boland often used this technique to glean meaning from her work. In her own words, It was only gradually that it went, you know, got any kind of movement towards, you know, the middle of it where I say, you know, reason <coughs> says this. And, you know, when you take an object and put it put it next to a reasonable argument and then make the object deny the argument <laughs> then you get some kind of structure for the poem oh. but I think in the object that you take like amber and y you will eventually make a proposition in the middle of that poem mm. the dead cannot <laughs> see the living but but you will have the amber on both sides of that to contradict that that rhetoric and in some ways that that is how you set the poem up as that inner dialogue between the rhetoric and the image it, not always but sometimes Ivan Boland was arguably one of Ireland's greatest poets more than that she was a poet that wrote for those that no longer lived in Ireland as a woman who divided her time between Ireland and the United States, she often felt a sense of exile from her home country. This theme would eventually expand to examine a loss in all its forms as we see here. She also wrote tirelessly on the themes of motherhood and domestic life. This poem, Amber, is an almost perfect fusion of all these themes. There is the ancient forest and September morning, which to me seemed distinctly Irish. There is the close bond of motherhood felt in every line and a true sense of loss that imparts itself on the reader. Above all, it exemplifies the talent Boland had for imagery and the transformative in her work. So, do you agree with my reading? I'm sure you have your own reading, and if you'd like to talk to me about it, you can get in touch with me in lots of different ways. Send me an email at wordsthatburnpodcast at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at Words That Burn Podcast, where I upload helpful study guides and bonus material. You can find the show notes for this episode, complete with references throughout, at wordsthatburnpodcast.com. If you have a poem you'd like me to take a look at on the podcast, or if you'd like to send me in a reading of you reciting a poem, 
please do so in the previously mentioned places. This episode was written and produced by me, Benjamin Colopy. The music for this week's podcast was provided by Kai Engel and is used under Creative Commons license. I'd like to take a quick moment and ask you that if you've been enjoying the podcast, you would really be helping me out if you could leave me a review wherever you listen. As always, I really appreciate you spending your time with me, and I hope you'll hear from me again soon.